Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast, Wednesday, July 28th, decision day for Jaden Lucas, cornerback from Malden. Paul Strilo has all the goods on that and plenty of other recruiting info. Also, our countdown continues, our player countdown, top 25, Andrew Booth, coming in at number eight. Tons of information on him and others, and as the countdown continues, moving through the rest of the week and into next week at TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864 990 one or online at paramlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representatives for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. Okay, catching up with Martin Jenkins, former Clemson defensive back. His last year was 2014. His name has been in the news lately because of the lawsuit he was a part of against the NCAA. Really interesting to look back seven, eight years ago at the general attitudes towards things that now are commonplace, such as cost of attendance, things like that, upgrades to the scholarship. But where do we go from here? We asked Martin that and more in this really in-depth conversation. Here we go. Enjoy. Okay, joined by Martin Jenkins. Martin, it's a pleasure to have you on the Dubcast. We have a a mutual friend who's a Tiger Illustrated subscriber, and he he suggested it a few weeks ago. Gave me your number, and glad glad we're finally able to get you on, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super glad we had found the time to do this. Um, like I was saying a few minutes ago, I've been following Tiger Illustrated for <laughs> ten plus years, <laughs> so it's a, it's an honor to be on. Thank you for that, for having me. Absolutely, and it's flattering to hear that too. So first of all. Can you just update everybody out there who's interested on what you're up to these days and, and, and where, are you, where are you still in Atlanta or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I re after, after school, I relocated back to Atlanta. Um, I have had entrepreneurial blood in me since I was a kid. <laughs> um, so, you know, on and off started a couple of different businesses, ended up landing in the insurance space. Um, so I started a life insurance agency that I've been doing now here in Atlanta for a little while and, um, rocking and rolling with that, so life has been life has been great. Tell me, you you said you had that entrepreneurial spirit from an early yeah. age. How did that yeah. How did that materialize as a kid? 
how did it material? Oh, yeah. as a kid, yeah, as a kid, it just meant uh, whatever I wanted, I had to go get. So, you know, when I when I saw some expensive shoes that were a hundred plus dollars, um, you know, I I just had to. I, I remember going door to door in different neighborhoods in my city and just washing cars, asking people if I could wash your car for ten, twenty bucks. You do that a couple weekends in a row and ended up getting what I needed. So that was kind of my early lessons into entrepreneurship, quote unquote. <laughs> you have a family? Um, it's just my immediate family. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So I mm-hmm. uh, obviously um, one of the, the the big topic right now is well, gosh, there's a lot of huge topics now with the Texas and Oklahoma stuff and realignment right. and all that stuff going on. But the uh, one of the biggies that you're that you've been involved in is is the the Supreme Court, the recent Supreme Court ruling, uh, basically uh, swatting the NCAA into the tenth row. Uh, and then, and then now as uh, largely as a result, you know, we're, we're seeing, um, uh, deal sponsorship deals and such popping up left and right. And I, it's, it's really fascinating to, to have you on to sort of, to both get sort of your take on the present, but also maybe we can take a trip back in time, you know, to 2014 and 13 when things like this were, you know, hugely controversial. Just the thought, oh, yeah. uh, just the thought oh, yeah. of, of athletes being able to get anything more oh, yeah. than they had been getting. And so I'm oh, just, yeah. um, first of all, I, I guess it's really complicated because I was just doing some homework uh, before before I called you. All the different lawsuits, like you were initially um, part of the Kessler lawsuit. Uh, you were not a part of the abandoned lawsuit. Darius correct. Robinson was a part of that. Then that correct. eventually, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, that eventually merged, both of those eventually merged with the Austin, the Shawnee Austin lawsuit. The, the, he was the one correct. from West Virginia. Yep. And so all that together was what uh, was was what sort of came to a head recently. Am exactly. I getting all that right and am I missing anything? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. Okay. So can you help me understand, like, I, I guess let's just start with when did, can you think back to the first time that it occurred to you that, hey, I, I don't feel like athletes, uh, student athletes are getting a fair shake and something needs to be done about this? Yeah, it's funny, too. So I, um, you know, as, as much as I played football and and, and was integral part of the football team my years in clemson what most people know me for is actually a music video and a song that i did called we too deep i still play it (laughs) right which they still play which i love i love coming back to the games and hearing that it's it's phenomenal um but funny enough that's actually what opened my eyes to the actual rules and how players were inhibited for doing certain things for example i made that because i was injured and you know, I just felt, I just felt like there needed to be more of a football theme song instead of what was out at the time. So made it ended up blowing up. You know, it did great. Kind of became the football anthem, if you will. And um, shortly thereafter, I saw people wearing "We Too Deep" shirts and memorabilia and all kind of stuff, which I thought was great. And you know, other shops were selling it in Clemson. There were some online stores selling it off of stuff that I had made, which at the time I had no problem with whatsoever. Um, the problem came when I got the, you know, back to the entrepreneurial blood since I was a kid. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I should be monetizing what I made as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so literally the moment that I got with a developer, put up a site and just made like a, a test site to start selling it within, 
I mean, within five or six days, NCAA compliance was already, you know, meeting with me, telling me that I had to shut it down because of various reasons. But that was really the eye opener to, hey, maybe maybe something is not all the way right right here. Mm. And so yeah. just getting the timeline right. So you, you set out the 12 season. I thought, was it a hernia that you were dealing with? Yes. Yep. It was a hernia. Yep. I had a surgery. And so then you come up with the song during that season. And then in 13, is that when, when you uh, developed the website and, and got sort of slapped around by the, by the, or yeah. called out by compliance? Was that when that happened? That, that's essentially what, yeah, that's essentially it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and so, how, like, how, I'm just curious. So back then, and then how did you sort of then connect with the various movers and shakers involved in in the actual lawsuit? What was the process? Yeah, for sure, point? for sure. So that happened, um, which was my initial um, kind of introduction to what was going on. And then just through talking with compliance and NCAA and obviously, you know, before I even dive too far into anything, I I always want to say, you know, Clemson is the absolute best school. Dabo Sweeney was one of the prime reasons that I was going there and him, the coaching staff, like everything was phenomenal. There was just things that players could not do because of the NCAA rules. Right. Mm -hmm. So once I sat down with compliance and kind of understood that it was, oh, essentially, when you're playing football and when you sign that dotted line, you cannot monetize anything that has to do with your name, anything that you make. Um, but on top of that, we couldn't really get at the time, we couldn't really get jobs and go do internships and things like that. And then if you add adding more fuel to the fire during that time frame, schools were um, schools could only give money to like a very, very small amount of money. If you lived off campus, Mm-hmm. Then to add, you know, and then on top of that, they can only feed you at that time. They can only feed us one time per day, max. So that was kind of the, the, the tipping point when you add everything. OK, we can't really go necessarily get jobs or do internships or because we're pouring into the schools that are getting hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, essentially off of some of our efforts, which is not a problem. But then to turn around and say, hey, we can't monetize our name. Hey, we can't even go out of our way when we get injured to make something that helps the school for free. And we can't even, you know, and it was just, you know, obviously the school couldn't really do much about it. Um, but the NCAA ruling at the time couldn't allow players to do that. And so once I, once I just realized everything that on top of the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that these schools are, are generating solely from the football programs, um, I just wanted to be involved and see how at the time, I think it was Ed O'Bannon's case, it was just getting started up. So I tried to get involved with that and, um, you know, just got connected through various people and they told me, Hey, you know, the case is kind of already going on. So there's not really sure anything, you know, thanks for reaching out. It's not really anything to do at this point, but they had already knew my story. So when Jeff Kessler and his team understood what I was going through and, and the change that I wanted to make, um, we just connected and, and, and realized there was opportunity to make that change a reality. What is that like when you, are a current athlete. I mean, you, it's not like you moved on and then joined the correct the lawsuit. You're, you're still a player at Clemson. And so therefore people are going to, not everybody, but, but significant numbers of people are going to react to that in a negative way. I'm just curious Absolutely. what that was like. 
Absolutely. Um, it, it wasn't the greatest, you know, seeing some fans turn and, you know, say negative me at the time. Um, but honestly, it really didn't bother me, things like that. Um, when you're playing on that type of stage, you're going to get great attention, unwanted attention in the middle of the road. It's, it's just like something that comes with it. Um, so, you know, I, I knew not everybody would like it. I knew some people would. I knew some people really wouldn't care. So um, I just took the approach of I wanted to see some change being made because there's been change made in, in, in the, the dynamic of the sport so much when it comes to monetary, when it comes to contracts, when it comes to how much p- everybody else is being paid besides the actual players. Not that they need to become millionaires by any means, but, you know, at the time, three, four hundred dollars per month while you're bringing in 150, 200 million to the school just wasn't necessarily adding up. And it just so happened that time period, uh, just so happened to coincide with the the advent of the college football playoff, which which brought you know gobs more money into, <laughs> right, the, <even> more. <laughs> into the coffers, and I'm you know athletes notice that that stuff, you know, and here we are right here at present. Um, you know, they're talking about going to a 12 team playoff. They're talking about right. mega conferences, and and right. and and so it's hard to. It's hard for me to argue against NIL when this is happening, you know, right, when, when, right. when, when the, 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 the rivers of money are becoming oceans of money. Absolutely. Uh, I'm just curious. What about internally uh, from teammates, from coaches? Did you get any, any blowback from that? What was, what, what was, what were, what was that like dealing with that sort of internally? No, not time. not necessarily. I mean, everybody supported it. I don't think at the time any other players wanted to, you know, join the case or be, you know, the face of anything. Just because I, I had an opportune window where I was hurt and I could not play. So that that opportunity, if you will, kind of opened my eyes a little bit. I didn't I didn't have to focus on the playbook and the plays and practice and so much like I would have if I was playing. Um, and I don't even know had we if we would even be here talking had I not had that not happened because when you're just in the thick of it, I mean, you're just, you're just trying to do your job and execute and, and, and win football games, which is the job. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, but from, you know, from a negative standpoint, um, there was nothing there. Everybody was pretty supportive. Um, and yeah, that was, that was, that was never an issue. How about, I mean, you know, Dabo Sweeney has always been supportive of his players and he says even today yeah. that, um, he's fully in favor of modernizing the scholarship and in favor of, of name image likeness in the form of getting athletes more, um, mm-hmm. was he that way back then? Uh, very open minded toward what you were doing, or how did how did how did you guys discuss it? Yeah, so he he's always been a player's coach. I mean that that's what he wants the best for his guys, and he says it when we're getting recruited. I mean he tells the parents of the players, hey, we're 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 not only going to make him a phenomenal and develop him as a football player. Um, but we're going to develop him as a man where he can take the skills that he learns from Clemson and, and br- you know, bring it past football. And I think from the day that I met him when I was a 10th grader in high school, he stood behind that. So anything that could help the players, he's always for. Um, so, no, he was never like, no, I don't want to do this. Um, will it make his job a little bit more complicated? In my opinion, sure. Now that you have marketing deals and you just have different uh, variables that just weren't in the factor and they could cause a distraction in the future. Um, but as far as, you know, being against it or not liking what I was doing, he never really took that stance. And, um, yeah, I mean, we haven't had a super, super in-depth conversation about it, but he's, he's never been 
1000% against anything that I was doing. That case for years became known and was known as the Jenkins case. Correct. What, what was that like? That was cool. I mean, yeah. having having my name attached to it was cool. You know, um, at the end of the day, it really wasn't even about me per se. I really just wanted to see the change at the time as well. I had a little brother who was um, about four years behind me and he was playing football at Tennessee. So my hope was that, hey, by the by the end of his career, maybe we can see the leaves start to turn and took a little longer than we thought, but we ended up getting there. So I'm happy. You talked about the jobs of coaches becoming a lot more complicated, so many more yeah. variables now. What are the things in your mind uh, that make it so much more complicated and, and just different that, that not just coaches, but everybody has to sort of grapple with? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I, you know, from a, from a fan standpoint, you know, I don't think too, I, I would assume not too, too much would change. From a coach's standpoint, that changes the whole that changes the whole dynamic of their job. Now that you're having players who can make different amounts of money or has marketing deals, and maybe they need to go do a video shoot this day, maybe they have an interview this day. It's just different factors that were not necessarily present before. And you know, I'm not um, I'm not shy. You know, I'm not, I'm not confused at the fact that that won't make the job of an NCAA coach any easier like I don't think that will make it easier um, but at the end of the day like we said you know just with the with the change of the sport with the change of the monetary value from the schools to the the cities to just everything that's going on some change needed to be made whether it was making somebody's job hard or not do you feel like the NCAA sort of made its own bed with all this that if that if they would have sort of been more receptive to sort of incremental change over the last, say, two decades as the sport changed, as the uh, the revenues changed, that, that maybe they wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have gotten to this point where it seems to be veering to the other extreme? You mean, you mean had they made some incremental changes, do I think we would be where we are today? That, that it may be, so, I mean, I guess that's sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm making the presumption that, you know, with the Supreme Court, with their ruling, they're basically saying the NCAA, uh, they can't restrict anything. And they're basically opening the door for just straight pay for play, I guess, eventually, it seems like. Do you think that it wouldn't have gotten to that point if maybe they would have been more open to uh, to giving athletes, you know, things like, uh, you know, cost of attendance and things like that earlier mm-hmm. and, and allowing them, you know, the Ed O'Bannon case, for instance, if they wouldn't mm-hmm. have been so resistant to, to the simple act of, of players whose names were on the, a video game, being able to, to see some profit off of that. Right. Um, it, it's really hard to say just because, you know, we can only, we can only really judge a circumstance by what's going on today. I think maybe potentially, maybe potentially, um, I can't really say that it would have necessarily changed something dramatically um, only because we're living in reality right now. And so that's really only the only thing that I can judge. But I I will say this. I do think maybe the attention to the the rule changes and the attention to how much discrepancy there is, it might not have been as strong had there been some more incremental changes along the way. Cause I think things just, you know, never changed for so long. So eventually you're going to come to a point where there's going to be a huge discrepancy, a huge gap to where people want to be. And 
and where the rules are. And I think that's that point that we got to today. Now, can can you clarify or sort of help me understand? So there's there's obviously a difference between um, you know cost of attendance, you know, uh, I, I, athletes being able to to get uh, things like internships and things like that. That was what that ruling was about a couple of uh, recently by the Supreme Court. They didn't they did not rule on on name image likeness. They did not rule on pay for play. Um, correct, correct. I'm just curious, where does your, where do you stop? Like, where do you, are you in favor of, of a pay for play system? Uh, in, 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 if that were to come about, or is that too far for you? Uh, some people, a lot of people are in favor of name image likeness, but if you get to the point of, of actual pay for play, then then what, what do you mean by pay for play? Like, meaning the universities are paying the players a, a wage for, 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 for being, uh, you know, for providing the labor as opposed to the current name image likeness, it's Bojangles who's paying DJ, you know, Ue Angulale a mm-hmm. sponsorship. Do you, do you do you draw a distinction between those two, or do you believe the that pay for play should be considered as well? Um, that's a good question. Um, All I know is that we're honestly right now we're headed in the right direction. If that ends up where it's somewhere for a page for play, I, I don't think that's where it'll end up. I don't think that's the best direction of you know the future of mm-hmm. college sports in general. Um, but I do think that at least having that name, image, and likeness where they can monetize something, <laughs> right? Um, where these guys are working their whole lives and they're bringing so much revenue to the schools into the programs into the universities into you know the cities um to where that they can they can monetize that at least at least at least with name image and likeness now where that goes from here you know i can't necessarily i wish i had the magic globe to see where that would end um but i'm excited to see you know even what the next 15 years will look like i don't think anything's off the table at this point but it sounds like you do have some reservations about a uh, an arrangement a system where the the, the athletes are actually employees of the of the universities where they where they play. Well, when it comes to the football, well, when it comes to everything else surrounding the football programs, to um, the staff, the, the the you know working the stadiums, the coaches, everybody else is everybody mm-hmm. else who's not on the field actually is. Um, so I don't I don't think anything is off the table. Hmm. So, um, Kessler. He was the lead attorney uh, in in the the recent case. Uh, he said after after the after the uh, verdict, correct or the ruling. He said it's tremendous to win this nine to zero. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it will be the major next step on the road to a true, fair, competitive system uh, for these athletes. Do you have any idea what that looks like? Like, is there anything in your mind or his mind or, or, or the minds of the, of the plaintiffs of, of what, of, of what that ideal, um, looks like as far as compensation wise, Yeah, as far as that, uh, uh, the, the true fair competitive system for these, because he, he, he characterized it as a next step, uh, on the road to a, to a true, truly fair competitive system for these athletes. I'm just curious what that ultimate sort of system would look like. Yeah, I think that's a, that's another good question. I can't really necessarily say what that would look like, whether it would be a 
pay for play or whether it would be a, um, you know, kind of, kind of marketing only kind of where it is now with the name, image and likeness. Um, where that ultimate road leads, I have, I have no idea. Um, I do know the road that we just came off of, which was, they couldn't, they couldn't monetize anything. They could not profit. Um, you know, even when, like I said, when I was in school, hey, you can't be fed, you can't do this. It was just, I, I know that was not a sustainable model to keep long term for the, for the, the, you know, the, the lives of the athletes, of the sure. athletes who are on the field, who are sacrificing their bodies, doing, doing the work. Um, so where that leads, ultimately, I wish I could have a, a like I said, you know, a crystal ball to kind of tell us. Um, but ideally, I do know that a big step like this is a step in the right direction towards whatever that future is um, to where these guys can kind of get what's rightfully theirs. Yeah. You mentioned in in your days you had, you were only allowed one meal a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cost of attendance was not a a thing. Um, And I think now I think Clemson players might, it might be like between three and $4,000 a year that they, they get from cost of attendance. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, they eat more than one meal a day over there in that yeah, in that sure. football building. Um, so those those have been some significant gains, and and even even then, when cost of attendance was approved, uh, there was a lot of sort of panic from fans and even some media yeah, who thought that it was going to turn into you know a recruiting advantage and just sort of the wild wild west where. Um, you know. Well, why? In my opinion, is why shouldn't it be a recruiting advantage? Right. You know, it's 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 what other what other industry, whether it's sports, whether it's you know, it, it could be anything, right? What other industry has that type of advantage, where they can make, you know, x amount of return on the workers or the people who are doing the work, make all the money on top, and not necessarily have to pay them hardly anything. Like, wh- I I can't name one under one other industry besides NCAA college powerhouse football and basketball where that is even allowed to exist. Yeah. What do you think? Does the conversation or debate or whatever, does it properly include the value of, of, of what is available to student athletes in the form of the the scholarship, the ability to, to get a degree? I mean, I think, out of state, I want to say, I think Clemson for each of their football players currently, I want to say they arrived at a figure of per out of state football player, they spend $140,000 per year on, on, on each of those, uh, on each of those players. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, what, how do you, I mean, that's a lot, of, uh, a lot of money, um, per year. You're saying that's what they spend? Correct. That's what they okay. their their sort of calculations. The, the mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just curious. Is that how do you how, how much of a factor is that when we're determining what the value is of a of a scholarship and the value of a, of an education and how much should that be um, included in the conversation of of name image likeness of possible play for play and and, and on down the line. Um, of, of course, from a business perspective, that should be included in the conversation. But that's, in, in my opinion, that's an incomplete equation. Sure, there's going to be cost involved with running an organization or playing, you know, uh, um, you know, feeding players, flying them to games. Of course, that's going to be involved. But on the other side of the coin, 
how much is each player per player bringing in revenue wise for that effort, right? What kind of return are they getting on that 140,000 or whatever specific number that you said? And I can almost guarantee, I mean, it, it's going to be a lot higher than that. <laughs> yeah. A, a lot higher. How much do you think, have you, have you ever thought about how much, if you would have been able to, to profit off of that, off of the We Too Deep, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever thought about how much you might've been able to make? I, I, you know, that's, that's a great question. I mean, you know, there's, there's obviously YouTube ads and stuff like that, which I had to turn my ads off. Like the, the ads stayed on, but I had to, I had to um, demonetize the channel which means I couldn't make money even though they were showing ads on the, on the video couldn't make money off of it because I was playing college football. Um, and so that video right there has almost 7 million views. So there's ad revenue right there. Who knows how much that is? Wow. Do you, I mean, I, I hear it's like a, a, a roughly a thousand dollars per 10,000 plays to 20. I mean, you know, it kind of depends um, analytics wise, depending on how many people are watching it, how long they're watching it, things like that. But who knows what that could have been. And then we're talking about, you know, memorabilia. We're talking about, you know, shirts, t-shirts, other, other things that could have turned from that. So, I mean, done right. There's no reason with we too deep alone in the, in, in the attention that it got and the, 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 the staple that it made, in my opinion, there's no reason that eight hundred to eight hundred thousand to a million dollars of revenue could not have been generated off of that. Does that make you mad? Um, you know, it, yeah, I'm not gonna say it makes me mad, like bitter, like you know, I'm I'm not resentful if if that's what you're sure. asking. Well, I mean, um, I, it, I know if I I know if I, <laughs> if I were in that same situation, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be happy. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it definitely. I'm not I'm not ecstatic about the fact that, you know, that that wasn't able to be done. But at the same time, what I did was just fuel that energy into something that I could do. Like, OK, I can't change the rules. What can I do about it? OK, I, I can join, you know, maybe a lawsuit and, and, and kind of see what we can do moving forward so that the next person who does something like that. Well, now they can make the million off of that. Now they can make the five hundred thousand. Now they can go out and get marketing deals. Um, and I think that, you know, once I'm able to see that come to fruition, which I'm starting to see now, that's, that's, that's penny, that's, that's plenty pay for me. Yeah. And it's not just the, the revelation that I've had over the last year or so and learning more about this and what it looks like is it's not just the, the Trevor Lawrence or Sammy Watkins or Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson that can really, you know, profit a lot off of their, off of their image it's it's Mm -hmm. the it's the person it could be a gymnastics uh athlete or a golf a golfer who you come up with a really cool idea whether it's a a song uh that you that you that you make or a golf trick shot or something like that and you get if you if you if you come up with something really cool then you can you can make some money off of it so it's not Mm -hmm. just the superstars that that's very true that are in line to to make a bunch of money I, and that's and that's very true. And I, I could even say kind of what we did with the song and the video. That was almost a prime example where you don't, know, you know, I'm, I'm I'm on the bench. I'm hurt for the season, and I'm still having an impact on the stadium, on the atmosphere, on the team, on you know the camaraderie. Right? Um, just wasn't able to monetize it at the time, but it looks like a looks like the next person will be able to. <laughs> so that's not a that's not a bad thing. So you take a lot of pride and have a lot of satisfaction in 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 realizing that your vision that you had 
back in, in 2013 and 14 has, has helped pave the way for a lot of these current athletes, not just football players, but athletes in general, uh, to, to now profit off of their own ideas and innovations. 100%, 100%. Absolutely. Cause I know, I'm, I know I wasn't the only one who was thinking, you know, what other opportunity, what other value can we add to the school besides playing? What other creative ways can we come up with to, you know, essentially, you know, help, help attendance, help the fan base, help the communicate, whatever the case may be, help marketing. I mean, I was, I was in it all the way. And I'm, even the song that we made, that was just a, a small piece, not a small piece. That was a big piece, but it was just at, at the end of the day, it was just a piece of what I was doing. Also, while I was hurt, you know, I was meeting with the media staff at the time because social media wasn't a huge thing. So I was, you know, I was meeting with them, telling them different platforms and how we can post different content over here. And um, Dabble Sweeney will tell you, you know, I, <laughs> I had a meeting with him and it was before a big game. And I said, hey, coach, like the atmosphere and in, in, in the music that we're playing like this, I, I think it can improve. A, a lot of us think it can improve. And a lot of the other guys were, pl- you know, they were playing. They weren't hurt. So they can't have that conversation with him. But I went to him, sat down in his office and said, hey, here's a list of songs that we need played in the stadium on third down. You know, we need this play. Who can we talk to about changing this? Because we see this being better. We see the experience being better. Um, we see the, the the energy in the stadium being better, which is going to perform, pe- you know, potentially make people play good, whatever the case may be. And at first he was he was pissed that I even had that conversation because he said, hey, we have a huge game ahead of us and you're worried about music and stuff like that. And luckily I was one of the only um, players at the time, like I said, who was hurt and who kind of had that relationship where we could talk about that. Um, a couple weeks later, the music ended up changing. and then the song. So, you know, it was just a lot of things behind the scenes that we were just trying to develop because we saw the vision of Clemson and what it is now, and we just wanted to get there. And I think that was a part of kind of pushing that towards um, towards what we saw and what we wanted to what we wanted to get to. I don't even remember what the the music in that era was before you before it, before it changed, was it like country music or something? It, or it just... was it was a lot of country music, which is not. I, I'm I'll be the first one to say that's probably my favorite genre. Right, like if you're in my car, you're gonna hear a country song. I love it, but at the same time, you know there was just stuff being played during third down of a football game. That's like, you know, I, I remember being on the field and we're looking at each other like, is this really what we're gonna do right now? Like, and so that's that's what started to push stuff towards a little bit more of a modern era where everybody on the field can, you know be a little bit more hype, be more energized. It's more electric. And I go to the, I go to the, the games now and I see exactly that. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm glad that even if I could have a small piece of that change, I was, I was proud. So was the DJ, was that your idea? That wasn't my idea. No, <laughs> no that's, that's all them. I can't take it. He, he's a, he's a killer too. <laughs> Shout out to them. You know, you know, I'm, I'm glad they still play we too deep and stuff. So, yeah. 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 And not that they're not about that. Not that, that I'm trying to sit up here. Yeah, and I was going to say, not that I'm trying to sit up here and say all these things are my idea. Clearly, you no. know, it wasn't. I mean, obviously, that was a joke. But just in general, you know, that was a, a a concern or a topic of conversation for a lot of the guys in the locker room. But it just so happened not a lot of the guys could really um, have that conversation or do anything about it just because, hey, we have, we have a job to do on Saturdays. And it's really we can't really focus on anything outside of that. So the combination of, you know, kind of what I was already doing with some of the media staff mixed with the injury. Um, it just kind of made for a perfect timing that we could start having that conversation. Can you go into some more detail on the, on how you were working with the media staff and who, 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 who was it? And, and, and what were some of the, how, how did that take shape? 
Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, so at the time um, when I got there, um, it wasn't, you know, it, it it was almost the reason that I wanted to make it because if you, Clemson was one of those schools in 2010, right? Let's let's go back to 2010 when I was when I was arriving on campus as a freshman. It was one of those schools that if you go there. If you if you walk on campus, when you see the paws painted everywhere, when you go downtown, when you meet with the coaching staff, see the facility, it was the best thing I had ever experienced. And I had visited, oh man, who knows how many schools, the Floridas, the Georgias, the, a bunch of ACC schools, went out west to visit some schools, the UCLA's. And there was just something so different about Clemson. And I feel like when you go there and you experience that and you sit with it and you just understand it, like you get it. But at the time when you go on social media at the time in 2000, between 2010 and 2012, when I looked up Clemson on YouTube, when I looked up just different things, I didn't see anything that was even close to how good it was. And so it was really just about, um, you know, just maybe directing them. Like I, I remember when Snapchat was first becoming a big deal, and I, you know, was, hey, hey, let, let, let's make a Snapchat. Let's let's start posting this stuff. It's going to be a new platform. They're doing some some great stuff with um, TikTok and a lot of the new programs now. And then it was just about you know ideas and songs. And I remember um, some of the guys, some of the video guys, would kind of come and you know maybe get some critiques on hey, what song is popular right now? Like what do you you know and just kind of get my opinion on certain things. And we would talk over ideas. We would edit videos together. Like literally, I'm going into the <laughs> into the media room and we're sitting down editing videos together, adding music, coming up with concepts. And that's really what I'm not saying that's what started it, but I'm just saying um, having that involvement is kind of what got my eyes open to oh okay, there's there's a little bit more opportunity here where we can make Clemson actually um, attractive yeah. to people who don't walk on campus. And I think if done right, it can be advantageous for everybody, the coaches included. I mean, I remember. There were some coaches after I made We Too Deep said, hey, man, we got a, a couple recruits who said they love the video. And, you know, that I, and so they were thanking me for it. And I just think, you know, stuff along those lines and just changing small things and getting on, you know, a, a marketing platforms and stuff like that. I think it really started to help the the public image of who Clemson was and how they operated. It wasn't just some country bumpkin school who, you know, was winning five games a year anymore. It was now, you know, public stage where a lot of people know it and. Uh, great leadership in Dabo and, and, and now just kind of seeing everything um, where it is today. It's just like, it's, it's phenomenal. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. When you're 
ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experienced team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Yeah, my first memory of Clemson doing anything social media wise that stood out was when DJ Gordon down in the equipment room um, would come up with cool. I forgot it, it's a platform that doesn't even exist anymore. I forgot what it's called, but uh-huh. uh, he's coming up with all these cool ideas. He's doing it on his downtime. You know, he's the assistant equipment manager at the time. Yes, and, I remember and doing we had stuff a lot like of that. Conversations. Did you really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, and, we and DJ had a lot of conversations <laughs> back then. Yeah. <laughs> and now here, here they are. You know, pioneers in the whole social media exactly space. Pretty, pretty amazing. So that you were, I had no idea that you were sort of, sort of a part of that. Yeah, a, a small piece of that. Yeah, and it, it was a blessing to be a part of it. Well, so what was it about Clemson? I mean, you said you know they're when you get here. They're antiquated in, in, in a number of ways. They're regarded as kind of a country bumpkin school, that, and, and, and you know they weren't really uh, realizing their full potential in, in, in a number of areas, on the field, off the field, social media. So what was it about this place and this program that, that really convinced you to come and, and to feel that way, you know, about a program that, I guess, in 2009, you know, there was their first 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 trip to the ACC championship game so mm-hmm. a completely different look and feel uh what was it that that really led you to come here it was it was a lot of things i think me and my personal experience a lot of it had to do with Davo. um i'm a believer in everything rises and falls on leadership so if you can point out the leader of anything i can i can you can kind of see where the direction that it's headed um and i think you can see that in a bunch of different ways um but Dabo, first and foremost just his passion of not only the game but like i stated earlier his passion for making developing uh players as men right i mean every after every game even to this day you know he's talking about hey church in the morning this is what we're doing not forcing it on anybody um but letting them know you know hey there's educating them about certain things, bringing in different speakers. And I, I think Dabo in and of itself was the biggest seller for me just as far as, hey, I'm going to be away from my family. I'm going to be away from, you know, my, my father. I'm going to be away from everything. And this is going to be the man, essentially, that's going to be helping me develop. And I, I trusted him. Um, and a lot of other kids can see that. It's not really hard to point that out. Um, but you mix that with, you know, just the other leadership, the the – the, the 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 training leadership with I mean now with Jim Clements and it's just it's just you know it, it doesn't take a whole whole lot to realize hey this place is special um, the people are different the people are special the people really care and you throw in a good football team on top of that and you have an unstoppable absolutely unstoppable um, equation right there in my opinion your last year in fourteen was when it really became apparent that this this program is is headed to a national championship type of yeah of, of the of, caliber yeah like yeah. it just kind of scary good yeah uh that year and had Deshaun not gotten hurt uh they hell they might have been in the playoff in the first year of the playoff who knows right um 
did you ever, when you got to Clemson, and and and, and you obviously you had high hopes, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have chosen to come here. Mm-hmm. Did you ever envision it being like this, where there are you know, six straight playoffs, two national titles in the last uh, several years, and people, you know, it's considered a drought that they haven't won a national title in two years. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's funny though, because funny enough, I did. I don't. I don't. From the players back then, and you can ask any of them, I don't think this is a surprise to any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the development of the team. We saw the potential. Even when I was younger, my you know my younger first year, when I was being recruited, it's just something that's different that, that we can see that that's going to be happening there. And so I don't think that was a surprise at all. I just think time needed to catch up. Like I said, with Dabble being the main leader, um, you know, he – interim head coach at first. So I'm sure there was a massive learning curve on his part, just on communication and different styles and how to, but, but once he really started to get it and, you know, we went through the West Virginia um, game where we got completely obliterated. Um, I think that was a huge learning lesson for everybody on how to deal with the big stage and how to deal with bigger pressure and how to deal with being, you know, whether it's an underdog or the term Clemsoning, which is, we all know what that is. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was a surprise at all. I, I think we all saw that, and it was just a matter of time until that had to catch that caught up. In 2010, when you guys are six and seven, you end the season losing to South Florida and in, in front of an empty stadium in Charlotte. Are you thinking I might have made the wrong decision, or no? Now, can you repeat that question one more time? In, in 2010, when when it's Dabo's second full season. And you guys are six and seven, first losing season in like twelve years. You end the year uh, in Charlotte uh, by losing to South Florida. At that low moment, are you th- are you sort of second guessing your decision to to go to Clemson? Or are you still absolutely absolutely not? Yeah, absolutely not. No, that was just that was that was just a part of the process that we had to go through. I I never I never second guess that honestly. From the time I stepped on the uh, on the campus, what what do you think? It seems like within the Clemson bubble, uh, Dabo is greatly respected and appreciated, yeah. but across the country, he's become regarded as like a villain. Um, how, do, how do you sort of square that in terms of he's gone from this lovable, folksy new kid on the block, you know, when they first started going to the, national, going to the playoffs and national championships to now it seems like people are ripping him left and right for the things he says. And I guess what he stands for, perhaps, how do you, what do you make of that? Um, I, you know, um, the bigger you get, the bigger stage you get, you, 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 you play on or you, you are on essentially, um, the bigger games you're in, the more success that you have, always on the flip coin of that is going to be more scrutiny. It doesn't matter who you are. Right. Um, when, when we had, you know, presidents, there's people who love them and there's people who hate them. They're on the biggest stage, right? You can, and then if we trickle that down to sports, right? The LeBron James is of the world. People love them. You hate them. Um, you know, other people do. And I, I don't think it's anything that dynamic. I don't think that, you know, I don't, I don't think coach Dabo gets excused from that same dynamic, regardless of how much he cares about the players, regardless of, um, you know, how good of a coach he is, how good of a human is. It's just, he's becoming more of a, 
he's getting a lot more success and just playing on, you know, bigger, not necessarily bigger stages because it's the national championship, but you know, coaching on a bigger stage, becoming way more well-known doesn't matter how good you are. You're that, that other side of that, that scrutiny side of it is just going to be there. From what I've heard in my experience, people come up to me saying, Hey, is, you know, he seems like a really like genuine, great guy. Is that actually how he is in real life? Or is that just a TV thing? And I always say, man, you, he is a million times better an actual person than any interview or any television show or any thing, you know, other than knowing him personally could ever describe. So people come to me with actually the exact opposite. Question. Yeah. So it's probably just a media thing. <laughs> Maybe it's a media thing. Who knows? Yeah. And then, you know, he got in trouble with the, uh, um, and they said something about him kind of quote unquote, not forcing Christianity, but, you know, bringing that up a lot and, you know, with religion and, you know, people just like to, you know, how it is these days, people just like to rip apart anything that any time that they have a chance, they just want to, they want to chomp at the bits, especially when you're successful like he is. Well, last uh, summer, the summer of 2020, during uh, the social justice um, upheaval, unrest, George Floyd and all that, he, he got really just crucified uh, by some national media folks uh, saying he's a racist and this and that. What was that like uh, for, for, you know, as a former player, uh, you being obviously a huge fan of his uh, to hear some prominent voices saying such things? Yeah, it it definitely was not, it it was not comforting by any means, just because when you know somebody um, and have known them for (laughs) a decade, (laughs) when you sat in their house and had dinner with their family and vice versa, done the same with ours. Um, you know, it's just, it, 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 right. We know it's not true, but at the same time, the media has their way of just forcing their opinions on a lot of different people. So I felt for him. Um, I, I know how strong he feels about not only just his image, but just, you know, his standards, his standards of not only just excellence on the field, but his standards of, his relationship with his players and his standards of how he wants to conduct himself, whether it's privately or publicly. And those standards have never fallen. He's never gone below that. So to people trying to put him below that or trying to say he's something or, you know, say he's this or that or whatever the case may be. And just knowing that it's the farthest thing from the truth, um, man, it was, it was difficult to watch at times. So I couldn't imagine what he was actually going through in his day to day life at the time. Do you remember your first conversation with him uh, in person? Where, as when? far as my first conversation ever, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I remember our first, um, um, I remember our first interaction ever. I was seventeen at the time, seventeen or eighteen in high school, and he was uh, he just stopped by the house because they were you know they were recruiting me at the time. Stopped by. It was the evening. I remember that day. I was not feeling super well. And he came in and we just talked. We sat on the, we, 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 we sat at the couch. It was both of my parents and him um, and myself. And we just kind of talked for about two or three hours. He always gets on us because <laughs> he was like, yeah, you know, you were the only house that I came into that didn't offer me food. And I was starving <laughs> that night. So <laughs> to this day, he still brings that up. <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. I was like, dang, coach, I'm sorry about that, man. It just, you know, we were just excited to see you. We probably just weren't thinking. <laughs> he literally brings that up to this day. Oh, man. So what did what did your parents think of him? Oh, they they loved him. Yeah, they, they absolutely, they absolutely loved him. So y'all keep in touch even, even now, you and Debo? 
Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, not, not as much as I would like, um, and I need to touch base with him, especially since all this stuff has happened. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we, we still touch, we still keep in contact. We still text every time I see him is nothing but love. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that'll ever change. So he, even though he has said he's for modernizing the scholarship, he's for a lot of these things that, uh, that now, uh, student athletes can take advantage of cost of attendance and all that. He has also been strong in saying, "Hey, I ain't for, for professionalizing college athletics and, right. and getting paid right. and all that stuff. If that happens, I'm gonna just go do something else." Do you? I mean, what? How do you react to that? I mean, is it just? Do you think he's just trying to make a point, or do you actually fear he might walk away at some point at this? I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. You know, I do. Um, I mean, hey, he doesn't. He he's not somebody to 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 say something just for attention. Um, so I'm sure there's there's some truth somewhere. Um, and I guess you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what he would do. Um, I do know you know his heart, and I know his. his how genuine he is and how he wants to just see guys develop. And I'm, I'm assuming if something like that gets in the way of him um, developing young men, then that would be an issue. Um, but other than that, I, I guess, I guess we'll just kind of have to see, see what's going on. Thinking back, it, it seems like not long ago, the Terrell Pryor uh, uh, transgression, I guess, when he got in trouble for, for uh, he broke NCAA rules by, uh, exchanging his championship rings and jerseys for tattoos. And they basically got Jim Trestle fired. Uh, the Ohio state coach, I think yeah. a few years later you had Todd Gurley and AJ green. I, th- I believe they were, they had to sit out three or four games for selling their Jersey for a yep. couple of thousand dollars. And at the time yep. it's like, Oh, these horrible kids. How could they do such a thing? Yep. And now it seems like most people have evolved and have a much more sort of revised view of things and that, hey, is it really that big of a deal? Were you, at the time, are you and other other football players sitting there looking at Terrell Pryor and, and, and A.J. Green and, and Todd Gurley and saying, what's the big deal, you know, or or not? While it's happening, um, I guess. Well, we like you mean were we looking at it like like the same way everybody else was? Yeah, as far I'm, as yeah, scrutinizing I'm, I'm, it. Absolutely right. not. Yeah, absolutely not. And we we know what it was like back in those days when you could not get paid or go make money for yourself in in a bunch of different ways. And so, um, I I think that was absurd that that was even a rule because it's, hey, they're selling their jerseys. They worked since they were five years old to even have this type of um, notarization or recognition or whatever the case may be. So if they want to sell some autographs, I mean, for a couple thousand dollars so that they can, you know, maybe have one of their family members come up to a game or have some extra food or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, I remember me, me in particular at that time, I thought that was one of the most absurd rules I had ever heard. Mm. And now it seems like, kind of crazy to think a player could be suspended for you know for three games for for, for such three a games for selling like we're not talking about for doing drugs we're not talking about for breaking the law we're talking about literally for monetizing something that they rightfully earned 
and not only monetizing something for themselves, but they're just doing something that other people are already doing. Other people are already selling autographs. Other people are already selling jerseys. You know, schools are you know, selling these, having these massive contracts to see these guys play. And it's essentially everybody else was able to monetize their hard work besides them. So the fact that, you know, they were being scrutinized and kind of, you know, um, um, what's the word? Vilified. Uh, yeah, you know, vilified um, just for doing something like that. I remember back in those. I remember thinking like, this is this is crazy. You know, I always think of on, on this topic of of players being able to sort of gain some profit off of their off of their college mm-hmm. athletics exploits. I think about not the the players who are going to to the NFL and who are going to make a lot of money anyway, but the more right. like more. Or like Taj Boyd uh, or Ben Boulware, who right. th- those two guys were superstars in college, absolute superstars who just happened to, for whatever reason, their abilities didn't translate to the NFL. And had they been able to make money off of their images, I mean, Taj could have walked out with, I don't know, $500,000, a million dollars, oh, perhaps? At, at least, at least. Yeah, and so I, you know, that's I, I feel for those cases because the transition away from football is is extremely difficult. It's, exactly, and, and, and when we're talking about these rules, those are the cases that we're talking about. How many, you know, one percent of those guys successfully make a, a successful transition to the next level? So we're talking about the ninety-five, ninety-eight, ninety-seven, ninety-nine percent of the players who don't make that transition. And those are the people that these type of rules are going to be affecting the most. Did, was it hard for you uh, to, to, to adjust to life with no football? Um, it, it was not easy at all. And mind you, I was a guy who was, I was thinking about entrepreneur and business. And I was, I was, you know, always thinking about that stuff and what I was going to do past football. And it still made that transition, you know, difficult. Um, so I can't imagine of somebody who was just sold out for the NFL, sold out for the university. That's the, all their eggs are in one basket when that gets ripped up under you. I mean, we had former teammates who like could barely cope <laughs> because it's like you, you all of a sudden get thrust into almost a, a whole different life. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I can't really imagine what it's like to, I mean, from an early age, since you're five or six years old, your, your whole identity is based on being better than everybody else right on a, on a on a field or a court or whatever right. and it's not like you're you don't think you're going to make it in the NFL you know when you're in right. college and then at at age 22 or 23 or whatever you're having to completely change who you are and, and change everything and you have to re not only change everything but you have to relearn like what do you even like what are you even outside of sports what do you even like doing mm-hmm. what are you even good at right and it's almost like you have to go back to your 12 13 14 year old self and kind of relearn a lot of stuff that most people learn in those young adolescent teenage high school college years most people don't have to make that sort of traumatic of a change or that rapid or pronounced of a change of identity until they retire. Yeah, that's right. why you see people when they retire, they kind of struggle because they're trying to figure out who they are at yeah. age 65. And you guys, a lot of you guys are having to do it when you're in your 20s. 
Yeah, that that is true, and you know that is that is something you know not not to not to say that oh you know boohoo it's us we have to figure this out like you know that that is part of it, um that's part of what we sign up for and and we accept we accept everything with full responsibility um which is even more so the reason why while these guys are in their prime earning years um, monetarily speaking which is a lot of them like you said the Tosh boys the Ben Bowlers the prime earning years was that that college that that four to five window a uh, four to five year college window which is why rules like this are even that much more important for guys like that. Did you continue your creative stuff, you know, musically and things like that for, for, uh, into, uh, how long did that, are you still doing that? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say it's i I'm like doing it. It's just kind of a more of an outlet type of thing when I feel like it or have fun with it. I don't have as much time as I used to uh, running a, running an agency. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely still try to do some of that stuff where I can. You keep in touch with me. I to say, too, my phone is going to die soon. Oh. I don't want it to cut off on you. Sorry. <laughs> so I just wanted to give you a quick heads up, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry to keep you for so long. I was just going to ask if you if you still keep in touch with Darius Robinson. Man, that's my guy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's doing his thing. He's playing football in Europe right now. Um, I mean, playing professional fo- football, doing what he loves to do. You know, he's traveling all over the all over the world. Um, so, yeah, that we, we definitely keep in close contact him. A lot of the other players, I mean, we were just a, a really tight-knit group, so we all like to stay in contact. Has has any defense you've seen in recent years been as good as the 14 defense? Whew, man, I don't know about that one, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, 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 the development of the staff and the development of how these guys are able just to, you know, they're, they're so much more confident now. It looks like they're stronger, they're faster. Um yeah, I think I, I, I think uh, I, I think these new guys may may have may have given us a little run for our money. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, Martin, I guess I have no choice. I've taken your bat all your battery life and probably all your sanity too by holding you on the phone for this long. Oh but... man, it, it was phenomenal. <laughs> I, I, I I'm just appreciative that you even considered me for this. Like I said, I've been following y'all's platform for literally over a decade, so it's been an honor. Man, really appreciate those kind words from Martin about TigerIllustrated.com and his longtime support of it. Also. Appreciate the time he gave us. Really, really interesting conversation there. Also, thanks to the support of our six sponsors. And last but first, thanks to all of you for hitting play every week. Really appreciate the support.